e-commerce simplified by scale up hello everyone and welcome to ecom simplified where we dive into the stories behind the products and the people who drive online commerce today we have a very loved guest today molly garvey the managing director at love scene the company that brings beauty to life with its innovative versatile and very realistic fake fake eyelashes with a background in customer experience and operations molly is the perfect person to share love scene's unique story and their passion for all kinds of beauty big or small natural or full so sit back relax and join us as we discover the exciting world of molly love scene and the impact that they are making in the beauty industry with a focus on the customer experience hi molly how are you doing today i'm good how are you i'm good too thank you great <laughs> okay uh, i'll start with the first question for today so uh, from farmers dog to love scene must have been quite a jump in all regards so what were your first steps from the ground up for a completely different product yeah i mean going from dog food to fake eyelashes is very little in common i'll say um you know my first step is really and this goes for any company any product i'm working with is to really understand the product itself and understand the story behind it um you know why why was this brand founded why did this product come to be i think that really helps understand who the product is speaking to who it's really for and the benefit of it um so obviously again dog food lashes very different end users um but i just i i step into the role and i ask you know who's around me everything i can about you know why they're there what they're doing to contribute and how everything kind of came to be up until the point that i've joined okay wow that's interesting uh, you've had a fair share of experience with customer experience before the pandemic and you've only grown further in the path so what are some fundamental changes that you have seen in acing customer experience pre and post the pandemic Yeah, really great question. Um, you know, I don't think there's been a lot of large fundamental changes. I think it's just been a way there's been a change in the way that people structure their customer experience and their support, um meaning the tools that they use, the training that they build, um and ultimately the the ways that they speak with customers, but fundamentally it's it's really all the same. It's talking to your customer it's understanding where their pain points are it's understanding why they've come to your brand what they love about your brand what maybe they don't love about your brand um and what you can do to better serve those customers again those those fundamentals that foundation for good customer experience has not changed i think it's just been a way and change in the way we we get that information from customers so you know adding on new channels text has been a a very large channel now over the past couple of years and continues to grow obviously you know leading leaning into social media especially tiktok is huge um and finding customers in just new ways and talking with them in new ways okay uh what was your biggest challenge uh, when you started out at lawson Oh gosh, I mean the biggest challenge was learning about the product. Um I am no beauty maven. Uh, I never really wore fake eyelashes except for a long long time ago for stage performances. Um 
And so I never really had that experience of shopping for a lash um, and, and applying the lash and understanding really who was shopping for the lash and why. So the, you know, the, the biggest challenge was learning more about the beauty industry and obviously the fake lash wearer and also people who weren't wearing fake lashes who didn't know that this product could work for them as well and stepping into their shoes. Honestly, the biggest challenge. Uh, I think outside of that though, we launched in a pandemic. We launched in September of 2020. So we were very much in the middle of COVID and we were a completely remote team. I actually joined, uh, although the team is mostly based in New York, I joined when I was living in California. So I was pretty separate from the rest of the team at the start. And so learning to navigate as, you know, first and foremost, a team working in a pandemic, working completely remote is one thing. And then learning how to launch a company and navigating COVID and the pandemic for a beauty product is also a, a big challenge. Customers typically too, for false eyelashes, like to see them in person, you know, being able to see how long they are, what the curl is, and being able to kind of just see the volume in hand. It's, it's, you know, it is a pretty different experience when you see it online in a, a singular picture versus when you're holding it in your hand. And so just learning how to really still speak to the customer, provide them the information they need and get them over that kind of additional hump of, of shopping for a lash when they can't see it in person. Okay, that, that's interesting. Uh, so as the recession effects take place, uh, the importance of customer service is definitely growing. So how would you advise businesses to plan their customer experience in order to become recession proof? Yeah, I think it's, you know, starting with talking to your customers and learning about your customers. A lot of brands I have found launch a brand, launch a business and kind of scale a business, not ever really taking the time to learn about their customer. They come into it with a set idea of who their customer is and how they're maybe addressing their issue, but they never take the time to reevaluate, not just at period, like every so often, every quarter or every year, but doing that regularly and making sure that that feedback is consistent and also kind of free of any um, persuasion. Obviously when you word questions or like send a survey, you can really lead a customer to an answer that you want. And so I think when you do that, you lose all of the insights along the way of talking with customers on the day-to-day -day basis and understanding, you know, when they just come to you organically, they have something to say and they're gonna say it and it might not be what you wanna hear, but you're gonna learn a lot from that. So I think the, the biggest part of just making sure you're putting CX at the forefront is having those conversations very honestly, measuring and tracking those conversations. So over time, you understand how things are evolving, how things are changing, how your customer base is is shaping because it's not going to stay the same. Obviously, as you evolve yeah. and as you grow, which is what every company wants to do, you're going to bring in new customers to the fold and they're going to look different. So making sure you really take the time to listen to all of your customers, really reflect and look at all of the different kind of attributes of your customer base and thinking about 
your site, your product, your experience, and how everything kind of comes together to address those varying needs over time. Uh, there, there are so many channels in play for DTC brands. So how can they seamlessly incorporate a uniform CX in an omni-channel workflow? Yeah, gosh, there I know. What started is just like email and phone is now chat and you have yeah. text and you have DMs and WhatsApp. And so there are a, lo a lot of channels. I think the first most important step is finding an omni-channel help desk that allows you to sync all of those different forms of communication into one place. Um, having all of that centralized obviously makes it a lot easier. You can see those conversations across individual customers. I think the other thing, and maybe not a, a popular opinion for, for some leadership and some CXers, but it's something I found works, is when you're growing your customer, your customer experience team, really training them to be generalists at first. So as you have a larger team, obviously you will want to kind of break them out into specialties, but when you're building that team, making sure you're bringing on any individual and training them in every channel, really letting them own the conversation across different avenues of communication. So whether it's email, whether it's phone, um, making sure they're really comfortable on all of those channels because eventually that team you train will work their ranks up to be a manager or a supervisor or a trainer themselves. And the better that they understand how customers converse on these different channels allows your team to really own those conversations. So that is really, I mean, for me, it's the number one thing outside of having a great help desk is training my team to, to be, you know, the driver of those conversations and to feel comfortable on every channel. That way, when you layer in a new channel, it probably is going to look somewhat similar to another channel that exists. For example, text is, is not too far off from chat in terms of how customers will send multiple, multiple messages in one conversation. Um, they'll have, they'll want a, a quick response time. So they're going to start to mirror other channels. If your team already feels comfortable on one channel, it's really easy to layer in another channel and make sure they feel comfortable. Um, and also, again, giving them that ownership over those conversations. So if a customer comes in through, say, a WhatsApp or um, a, an Instagram DM, and you're allowing them to carry that conversation over to a phone or an email, or maybe it's a, a bit more productive, um, allowing them to really transition smoothly is, is key as well. Okay, amazing. That's a great tip. Uh, what is the best way to track CX in a in an omni-channel workflow? Yeah, uh, again, all comes back down to the help desk. So <laughs> you want to make sure that the help desk pulls all of that information in, first and foremost, to have the conversation, but obviously in a way that you can track the data on the back end. So there, you know, there are help desks that already are tracking the channel. So whether it's a chat, it's automatically flagging that as a chat. You don't have to do the extra work of kind of parsing that all out um, and being able to see what that volume looks like day over day, week over week in terms of the channel stacking up against one another. So, you know, looking at your channel volume, but also then being able to break down how those different interactions are um, playing out. So what is the response time? What is the handle time for agents? 
what are the conversations actually happening within those channels, um, looking at the categories or like the buckets of conversations that you have going on um, and really making sure you're trying to track it, those important KPIs to understand how your customer is interacting with a conversation and also how your agents are interacting with a conversation. So you know too, hey, maybe chat isn't great for us because we don't have a great response time. We also aren't seeing a lot of customers. Let's focus on where we are having important conversations like email or phone or text. Um, and being able to track that through the statistics of your help desk are, are really key. Okay, so uh, as a follow-up to that, do you have any tools that you would recommend to manage CX and, you know, improvise more? Yeah, so I've I've uh, had a quite a quite a few different experiences with a few different help desks. Currently, I use Gorgeous, and I will say it's by and far one of my favorite tools. It is omnichannel, so it brings in, it has our text, it has our chat, it has our um, our phone, like it has everything we need in one place. And again, allows my my team to move seamlessly between channels. It also is just a really friendly interface. I have used many others in the past, which are so click heavy and not intuitive that it ends up causing my team more time just to get to a ticket or get back to a response that they need that it, it breaks a lot of things. It causes frustration where there doesn't need to be it. Um, whereas Gorgeous, again, super easy to use. They have AI, which you can implement very easily at the basic level, but as you scale with the business, as you scale with Gorgeous, you can layer in different types of roles and AI to help support your team efficiency. And there are macros, there are tags, there are ways that, again, you can simplify the process for your agents so that they can just focus on what is important, which is answering the customer and addressing their concerns and questions. And finally, which I think, you know, Gorgeous is like, thank gosh there is Gorgeous, is we are a Shopify platform. And I'm sure a lot of businesses are. Shopify is great in so many ways. Yeah. The best part about it is for Shopify, you know, when you're on Shopify, it's so easy to integrate apps and tools into your ecosystem. With Gorgeous, it's the same thing. It, inter it integrates directly with Shopify and, and many of those other tools as well. So you get this nice customer panel that shows you recent order history, maybe how many points they're earning through their loyalty system, recent returns, um, reviews, all of that right there in the panel. So it also can help inform the agent when they're responding to the question, you know, what else is going on in the context of this question that I can really make sure I'm giving the best possible response. Okay, that's that's amazing. I think that's gonna help a lot of people, a lot of our viewers as well. Uh, how yeah. do you always I'm happy to chat gorgeous and help desk <laughs> and <chat. laughs> uh, okay, how do you seamlessly integrate personalization in every step of CX? Yeah. You know, it goes back again to the training and to the agent and really actually I'll take it even one step further, hiring making sure you're bringing in people who are passionate about human interaction. It doesn't have to be CX. It just has to be they're passionate about conversing with other humans. Um, and I think it comes with hiring the right people, making sure you know they wanna be involved in the solution of the business and that they understand like they can bring themselves to the job. 
So letting them, you know, when they have a personality, when they're outgoing and you don't have to be outgoing. I have had a lot of introverted agents who are incredible as well. Um, but when they feel comfortable and they feel allowed to be themselves, that will come over in their conversations with the customer. So it all goes back to hiring and bringing in people to your team who are, you know, really excited to be a part of it. And then training and making sure, you know, you teach them the tools, you teach them the processes, you teach them whatever policies you have in place, but you draw a big enough sandbox that they can really start to play around in that. So if there is an, you know, they could get the same question 10 times a day, but I don't want those responses back to look exactly the same 10 times over. I want them to feel comfortable saying like, you know what, based on what this person's saying, I really think I should do X, Y, Z, or, you know, based on this person's history with us, I'm going to actually go with this route um, and allowing them to feel really comfortable in all of that. So one thing I do with our macros, for example, is I create a really easy template. So obviously they can enter it in and the meat of the information is there, but I have call outs that allow them to say like, Hey, feel free to address this customer's issue directly here, or feel free to change this and edit it to whatever sign off you want so that they still feel really involved in the response that they're sending out. It isn't a cut and dry macro one and done. I'm out. It's I've read this question. I know I need to give this type of information back to the customer, but I also know that I can take control of this, this conversation as well. So I allow them that space to bring themselves into it. Um, some other kind of like fun, quirky ways is like, you know, in the sign off, everyone has a different sign off. We have, you know, what's your favorite lash or what's your favorite blog post so that we can kind of show showcase their involvement in the brand. Um, we've done other, you know, other more marketing side, more brand facing side, side of things is we've done blog posts or email campaigns that are focused on the team and their favorite things to show. Again, we're not just a business, like a business with no face or, you know, just the face of the founder. We're a team and there are a lot of people's opinions kind of happening behind the scene to make it all come together um, and really showcasing the team and the, the, the people behind the brand. Okay. Uh, what, what were your biggest challenges in terms of CX for Love Seal? If you had any. Oh gosh. I mean, we always, there are always challenges. Um, there, you know, we're a small team. I think that's uh, one of the biggest challenges is we are a small team. And so we have to be really mindful of where we allocate our resources. And, um, you know, when it comes to, we'll go back to kind of the omni-channel idea is it's so easy for leadership to fall into this, like, oh, we should be on chat. We should be here. We should have this um, because they see other brands doing it. But really coming back to your team and your brand and understanding your customer base and saying, well, what makes sense for us? Just because we see, you know, X beauty brand doing this doesn't mean we need to. And we have to realize we only have so many people. So if we start to layer in too much, all of those conversations are going to just start to become, um, they're, they're just going to kind of go down the drain because it's not going to be the same experience anymore. So really, you know, focusing on what are we kind of capable of managing as a small team and balancing that with what makes sense for our customer and where do we want to still leave room to grow? 
So if we, you know, start pushing into, let's say, TikTok, we want to make sure that we have a team who can support conversations happening on TikTok. So it's always that balance of if we're going to go in here, we might need to pull back in other places and being okay with that. I think that's always the biggest challenge is, is saying, if we want to do this, we have to say no to this. And again, I've worked with a lot of leadership and, and, you know, everyone gets really excited about the brand new shiny thing, but it's also being kind of grounded in your experience and what's important and saying, okay, we want to test this, but we do need to know what we cannot test in order to do that. Um, so that's the, always the, been the biggest challenge is knowing, hey, we're even smaller now. We got to be really protective of our time and our resources and our energy. And, you know, again, navigating that. Um, and I think also being remote and our team is, is all over the place. Um, we have some still in New York. We have some here in California and just navigating, Hey, we're not always on at the same time. We try to be to our best extent, but I'm not going to ask you to be on at 8 PM at night. And I know you're not going to ask me to be on at 6 AM. So when we are together, making sure we support each other the best ways possible, um, and I think knowing, again, how to empower everyone to take ownership of their work, responsibility of their work. So if I'm not on, they're not on, we can go and kind of charge forward and keep things moving. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, okay. Actually, having leadership say that and con having that consideration for their team and resources, that's absolutely amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. It's and it's no easy feat, and I I know that like it's sometimes it takes it takes a lot of time and effort and conversations and meetings to get to that point. But I think it's again any any time I've worked, um, I mean I've been very blessed in working for a lot of great companies. Anytime I've worked with you know leadership at the top and and upper management to talk about what we're going to do on CX, I'm always very protective of the team and understanding. Hey. They're already doing so much and just having the tough conversations with your customers every day. We really need to think about how they are spending their time to feel re-energized and reinvigorated in the brand and not just more ways to do more of the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, what are plans to do for CX to provide a very reliable image for people to try out their products? Yeah. I mean, I, my biggest piece of advice is start your brand with CX at the center. Again, so many companies launch and they're thinking about the marketing plan or the creative for the website or, you know, the packaging. Um, and all of those are important. Do not get me wrong. But if you are not formalizing what your customer experience is going to be at the center, all of those things are very easily going to break off and become their own thing and kind of separate of everything else. And it's going to become siloed very quickly. If you do not have kind of that, that backbone of your brand and your business saying, here is how I want CX to come to life. Here is, you know, how I want our team to run. Here's what I want to come back to. You're going to start to lose sight very quickly as you grow of how to maintain a, like a satisfied customer base. 
Again, if you're not thinking about how you're communicating with customers, how you're, you know, solving their issues, what policies you're putting in place to protect them and you, but it's really to protect them and make them feel comfortable in investing in your business. You don't have those things in place and it's kind of an afterthought or you do it after launch after you're like, oh yeah, a lot of people are asking about our replacement policy. If that is an afterthought, you've already gone down the wrong path. Um, so really starting with your customer at the center, deciding who that is, um, who, who, how you want to talk with them, how you want to support them and building out those, you know, in that infrastructure before launch is really, really key. Um, and then thinking about, yeah, all of the kind of programs that support them is, you know, having strong, a strong review program, having a great loyalty program. And you can build up to all of that. You do not have to launch out of the gate day one, but I think just having an idea of where you want to move towards is really important when it comes to how are we supporting the customer? How is this ultimately coming back around to the customer? Okay. I completely agree with you. If the customer is happy, they're going to keep coming back to you for sure. Uh, so yeah. customer feedback is everything in CX. So uh, how do you initially get more and more people to give you that necessity, that important feedback? Yeah, uh, kind of going back to what I was saying is it, that that is happening every day organically, um, whether you are asking the question or not, right? Like if a customer buys your product and isn't happy with the packaging or, you know, uses your product and something happens along the way or just has a bad experience on your site, like they're going to let you know for for better or for worse. And usually sometimes it does tend to be more negative, but they're going to tell you. Um, I try to take every email, every chat, every conversation with a customer with a grain of salt, but also realizing like there's a gem in there somewhere. Like they might come off really angry, but there is something rooted in what they're saying that is kind of key to helping us get to a better place. And so I think it's just doing the work of, you know, for again leadership too. This is not just the agents you hire to work the inbox day in, day out, but for people at kind of the top at upper management and across the business to also get in those conversations. Personally, I would suggest having those conversations, like actually being the person responding if you can. Um, but I realized for some companies that is a lot of training and doesn't always make the most sense. So having them read through those conversations or having an agent walk them through the process of responding and having those conversations so that they can see how they come to life, how that feedback comes to life um, on both sides. And then periodically surveying your team so or your customers. So customer satisfaction surveys, CSAT surveys are one of the best ways to get quick and dirty feedback, right? Again, take it with a grain of salt because sometimes it's reflective on the agent, sometimes it's reflective on the policy, on the product, can be a myriad of things, but you're getting some quick and dirty feedback in a quantifiable way. Using NPS to you know, navigate the larger business and how customers are responding to the larger business that you're building. Um, there are just other surveys you can embed in your site you know, post-checkout, maybe while shopping, if you see that they're navigating away or, or lingering very long on certain pages. Um, also, post-purchase you know, post surveys. There's, there are so many kind of quick ways to implement um, questions for your customers and, and get that feedback. 
What I would also say is be mindful of asking too many questions, because if you start having questions at every step of the, the way, your customer is going to get a little jaded and they're going to either just respond with the easiest thing they see, like click on the first response they see, or they're going to stop responding because they're like, well, they're asking so many questions. What are they really looking for? And also, are they even acting on this feedback? So finding where you want to ask those questions, where you want to learn more from your customers. Is it you are really blind to how customers hear about you and you want to find out when they check out how they they heard about you? Great. Implement that. If you don't care, you can read that through Google and Analytics. Don't worry about it. You have data elsewhere. Um, but it's, again, finding the questions you really want to ask and then finding the right place to ask it. Um, and just, again, periodically surveying, but also listening to what your customers are saying every day because there is so much feedback sitting in your inbox, sitting in your DMs. Um, so if you don't read through that, if you don't look at that information, you're missing, like, Honestly, I would say it's probably like 80% of your feedback is sitting there. Okay, you answered my next question also. Actually, I was going to ask you which are the easiest channels to get the feedback from. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we know that referral programs have worked well for Love Seal. So how exactly did that happen? What was your journey to introduce that and launch them to success? Yeah. So um, this is, it's kind of twofold. So one, referrals are, you know, I don't want to call it low hanging fruit, but it is a really, a really simple way to engage your current customer base and bring in new customers at top of funnel. That's why you see so many brands do it, right? Like you're, you're getting to talk to two, two customer bases in one, new customers and existing customers. Um, and so you're really able to offer an incentive for both, which is great. It was also looking at our customers and noticing what was the behavior we're already seeing that we can further incentivize. So we were already seeing a lot of customers reach out through Instagram or even just posting on their own Instagram, reaching out through email, um, uh, texting our founder, Jenna Lyons, like saying, Oh my God, I love your brand so much. I love the lashes. I'm so glad I found this. I told three of my friends, I, I bought extras and I gave them out at a party, like telling us they were already doing this and realizing like that meant something to us that they, they felt so compelled to just do it with no incentive that it was like, we want to say thank you. And this is a, a, a great way to say thank you to you and also get that buy-in from, from other customers, from the new customers. You know, the, the best, like the best stories, the best kind of conversion rate we saw was when customers did have the lashes in hand. You know, when we either heard customers gave away uh, a set of their lashes or we had sent some free lashes to a customer um, because of whatever reason and realizing like, as soon as they had it in their hand, as soon as they tried it on, they, that sold them. Right. And so we felt it was, or just a really great way to tell, again, our existing customer who's already really excited about the brand and wants to go scream it from the rooftops. And we want to say thank you to them. Uh, above and beyond that, we found when we get that lash in that new customer's hand, they're in the fold. They've come in, they're ready to go, and we have a much higher rate of keeping them on board. So it was 
kind of looking at all of the behaviors that were already happening. How can we incentivize? But in our terms, it was really being able to say thank you um, and looking at what made sense to for for our margins, but really, like again, for our customer. So it, it started to work its way out to be like, hey, send send your friend a free lash and we'll give you a free lash. And that's where we, we stand today on, on referral. Um, thinking about now how we've built that into a larger loyalty program was very similar. Um, again, looking at what were our most loyal customers already doing and how can we thank them for doing those things without being asked, you know? So it's following us on Instagram. It's um, sharing a story about us on Instagram. It's, you know, um, purchasing so many times from us. Like there were all these things that were happening already that we just, you know, again, we want to incentivize more of, but we also want to be able to say thank you for doing that in the first place. Um, so that was, you know, how that developed from being just a, a referral program to a larger loyalty program and looking at what works for our customer, what are they doing, what do we want to see more of, um, and finding kind of the right, the right benchmarks for each of those different actions um, and balancing that with a reward. Uh, okay, that that's a very different way to say that because I think most of the uh, situations where I've heard of referral programs, they're mostly just about doubling the amount of customers that they have. But looking at it in a way of saying thank you, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's maybe the difference where you know I come from a CX background, um, and so I'm very passionate about the customer and what makes their experience great. And I've found time and time and again, when you just say thank you, or you ask that question, um, your customers are, are so willing to engage. And when you create that personalization too, they're so much more brand loyal. I've had customers who the lash doesn't work for them, right? Like it's, you know, for whatever reason, they've decided a fake lash isn't for them. Or, other products I worked with, they found like it's not the right fit or whatever reason. They may not love the product, but they found a connection with the brand. And that is what will carry the business forward, too. Uh, okay, so my next question. How has the Find My Lash quiz worked out for you? It seems like it's it's a great way to engage a user to, uh, to find something more personalized and more unique to them. So how has that worked out in, uh, in customer experience for you? Yeah, the Find My Lash quiz is one of my like favorite, I call it a sleeper hit, um, because it's only a three question quiz that you know we do definitely promote on our site and in campaigns but it's not something we're constantly talking about we let it live on the site um, and do its thing in a lot of ways and it has given us so much back um, it's given us zero party data so we're able to collect information on our customer you know their eye shape um, what kind of taste level, what, sh like, are they looking for a natural ash? Do they go for a more full beat? Um, you know, what kind of, where are they wearing it? Are they wearing it every day or only special occasions? It's given us so much data about our customer as, a, you know, a collective group, but also individual because we do allow for opt-in with email. So we're really able to then speak to the customer specifically based on what they've told us about themselves. So it's given us a lot there. 
it's also given a lot back to the customer because the, the point of it was to help serve customers and find help them find the lash styles that were going to fit them. We launched in a pandemic. We were not in stores yet. There was no real way to see the lash in person until you bought it. And for a lot of our customer base, we also found that they were new to lashing. Over 70% of our users had never bought a lash before, or maybe they, they had a lash applied to them, but they never really shopped for a fake lash for themselves, which was mind blowing to us. And is a big part of um, the data we got from this, this quiz, which was exciting, but it only solidified kind of our gut feeling of, we need to help these customers find what they're looking for in a very easy way. Um, obviously we have, a great support team. So if they need to reach out on an email or a chat and ask like more specific questions for what they're looking for, we're there to guide them towards that right style. But some people want to be really hands-off and we want to allow them to self-service. So the quiz was a great way to do that and just very easily say like, what's your eye shape? What do you, what style are you looking for? And you know, what kind of occasion every day, big day, somewhere in between and guide them to the style that we think would be better suited for them. And it's been, I mean, it's our conversion rate on that quiz is almost four times the rest of our site. Our like engagement rate, the number of customers taking it is incredibly high as well. The completion rate is over 70% on the quiz. So it's been a really strong driver of customer engagement conversion, and again, data on the back end so we can better understand who our customer is and how we serve them. Wow, okay. Uh, so uh, do you think that uh, there are a few points uh, that a lot of DTC brands may miss out on when it comes to CX? Yeah, uh, gosh, I think this, you know, kind of what I said before is, they don't think about it from the onset. So if you're not thinking about your customer experience, you're not thinking about the ways that you can, um, you're building your product and your packaging, your site experience, your return policy or replacement policy. If you're not thinking about all of those ways in which your kind of, you know, your general customer life cycle plays out and the ways you help make it easier for your customer and more enjoyable, you don't think about that from day one when you're building the brand. You already kind of got off track. Um, and I think as you continue to grow, and even if you start there, I think as you continue to grow and evolve and you bring new people into the fold to the team, right? And you start new initiatives and new programs and new campaigns. If you don't always start that meeting or the, kick off that project or train that team member on, hey, here is our customer and here is how it is benefiting them. Again, you're getting off track. I have had a lot of experiences where I step into a meeting and they say, we're going to work with this celebrity or we're going to do this new product. And it seems cool and exciting. But when you're not thinking about how that fits in with your brand and your customer, you might be disappointed in the results ultimately. Yes, that could be a really great celebrity to work with, or it could be a really cool new product, but does it make sense with everything else happening right now? 
if if yes, if actually you kind of then ask ask the question, does this benefit our customer? And and if you aren't forcing the hand to say yes, it does, then it could work. If you're saying actually a lot of our like we're going to go work with this NBA star, but all of our female, like example for love scene, if we're like, we're going to work with an NBA star, all of our customers, you know, 90% of our customers are female who don't watch sports. That would not make sense. It could be a really fun time to go work with say LeBron James, but if it's not going to sell lashes or it's not going to speak to our customer, why do it? Um, So I think, again, that's really the key here. And, And from step one through every step of the way, taking a step back and saying, who is our customer and how is this benefiting them? Uh, is, is there like a template-based approach that can be used to create a frame, framework around uh, setting up, tracking, or improvising CX for a DTC brand? Or is it more uh, on the lines of just keep asking questions and go with the flow kind of an approach? It's both. It is definitely both. I think there is a great infrastructure to be built for any brand um, in, in, you know, the tools that you use, in the procedures you set up, in the policies that you set up from day one that help support, again, the customer, but your business and your team to function. But as you grow and things are going to change, right? Like your team is going to change. Your your customer base is going to change. The environment that we're all living and working in is going to change. So if you're not always asking questions and you're not reiterating or, you know, tweaking as you go, you're going to become really stuck in your own way. So there is, there's a balance between, Hey, let's create a playbook and an infrastructure to help us get started, but leave that room to grow and evolve and, and change along the way. Um, and I think the same way you ask customers questions about your product or your business or your site or whatever it may be, you need to also do that internally and ask your, your customer experience team, your product team, your marketing team, all of those same questions so that, you know, every, like everyone is involved in the process and you are hearing feedback from all sides. There is nothing worse than being like, Hey, let's go do this for the customer. But then realizing It is also super hard to do that internally and will create a lot of friction and frustration for your team. Um, When if you also go back to the team and say, hey, we're thinking about this and allowing them kind of the the space to also air their own concerns on what is going on, you'll find you can often meet in the middle on how to continue to grow sustainably. Okay. And finally, do you have any tips or any advice uh, for all our viewers out there? Oh, gosh. I mean, I could give you a tip on anything. Um, I mean, when it comes to building a business um, and a brand, I think, and I've said this probably now 20 times throughout this call, so it's a bit of a broken record, but it's put your customer first put your customer experience first. It's not just your inbox. It's not just a support ticket. That bleeds through everything you do, your site, your policies, your product, your packaging, your marketing, all of that. Um, So really, you know, get to know your customer, have those conversations with your customers. Um, 
and have those conversations with your customer experience team because they are they are seeing everything day in day out. They're going to know it like the back of their hand. Um, so really, just I think honing in on that and allowing them to be part of the process of building a business is is key. <laughs> Okay, uh, that this was uh, it was a great great pleasure to have you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed being a part of this episode, and uh, we hope our viewers also gain a lot of valuable insights into the world of e-commerce and into the world of customer experience. Uh, for more details about Molly and Love Scene, be sure to check out the episode description, and uh, please be sure to tune in for other exciting episodes. Who will, which are going to be coming up very soon, and also of course check out Love Scene for all your lash needs. <laughs> Until next time, we are Ecom Simplified. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.